Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that is reeling and just trying to get over the fact that the Snyder Cut has been here, done, it's gone, it's done its damage and it's gone. My name is Tosin and I am the host based up in the Midlands in Worcestershire and joining me as always on the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. Right, cool. So, a week on from the Snyder Cut, Sean, how are you feeling? Um... Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I haven't actually watched it again. I've sort of, I've sort of gotten over it. So, so it's the, you know, it's it's sort of. To, I've got to be honest. Actually, it's sort of slipped from, slip, not, yeah, slipped from memory really. And even the people at work that's talk, you know, when it first came out, was having discussions with. It's it's sort of gone. We haven't spoken about it. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you've already given eight hours of your life to it. I mean, that's enough. Yeah. what what else do what else do they want from you come on on. (laughs) so it's it's uh yeah but i think it's i I think because i'm still getting news alerts about things to do with the snyder cut but there is and they're talking about oh oh you know how i was complaining last week about how it just seems that Zack snyder has this habit of doing a film and then after people have paid to see that film going oh by the way there's a whole other two hours i had that i put into the first time come pay to see the film again and the latest thing is you hear that they're going to release a black and white version of Jack Snyder's Justice League. Oh. Yeah. Why? Uh, yes, <laughs> why? Exactly. But there was, you, you know, I moaned about the slow-mo. Yep. You know, um, I got sent a little article from, I don't know if it's a telegraph, 10% of the Snyder cut is slow-mo. It's slow-mo. <laughs> 10%. 10%. So maybe people should listen. <laughs> Maybe people should. Ten percent is slow motion. I was moaning about it, wasn't I? That's what I was moaning about. Okay, but okay, but so if they not made it slow mo, it could have been over in uh, three hours and twenty minutes. Then. Yep, three hours, <laughs> much. All right, but but we will move on. We will move on from the Snyder cut. We will. We will. Uh, because I really feel that it's a case of the Emperor's new clothes. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. But when you actually look at it, it just takes one person to go. Hang on a second. No, <laughs> he's naked. He hasn't got much. Oh, but but he's naked in black and white. Mm. <laughs> so on this show, Netflix versus Cinema, which is getting we're getting closer and closer to that title. Time, yeah. Yes, to that title being something that means something again. We're getting closer and closer to the fact where Netflix versus Cinema is going to happen again. It's like the big heavyweight boxing fight that has been delayed and delayed because, oh, we're going to fight and then somebody broke an arm. And then we're going to fight and somebody contracted COVID, almost literally in this case. And now finally, we're going to get back to the place where film studios are getting more and more bullish about saying this is the date we'll be in cinema they started releasing trailers for films like spiral which is the new version of saw it's is they started releasing trailers saying it will be in cinemas on this date people are saying we're not just going to do things on streaming but we're going to do things on cinema and as well so we're getting closer to that date Mm. so usually what happens is we will go and watch at least three things in the cinema each week and we will come back and rate them we will go. We will sit at home and we will watch three things on some streaming platform. Very streaming platforms are available. We watch something on them. We give we give them a rating and then we figure out who has won that week. 
So for the last while, we have just been sitting at home after sort of like saying, okay, fine, Netflix has won. We've been looking at our viewing habits, seeing what it is we've been watching. And what we're doing recently is that every single week, one person, well, we might have watched multiple things. I'm looking at you, Sean. So, <laughs> <laughs> we might have watched multiple things that week, but we will talk about the also ran. So we'll talk about some of the other things we've watched, and then we'll bring one thing forward and say, this is the thing I want to discuss this week. This is what I want to rate. So... Sharon, we have something that you had from last week, but you you said no to because um because well Snyder cuts kind of took over everything. You, yeah, that was pretty exclusive, and I thought no, we'll leave it as an exclusive. Yeah, and and as as one of as the one of us who did not get caught up in all the hype and watch the Snyder cut by, by hook or by crook, I think we'll let you go first this week, and we'll let you go and tell us what it is that you watched that you would like to bring to the table. Yes, I watched a film called The Best of Enemies on Netflix. Okay. And this is one that was, um, was built as a new release. So I think it was made a couple of years ago. But it was built as a new release on uh, my Netflix stream. And, um, yeah, I, I, I caught it. It's one of those ones where you sometimes you think, oh, I, I think I might have seen this film before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or one very similar to it. But I thought, no, I'll, I'll, I thought, oh, no, I'll persevere. Um I did start to watch another film, a Swedish film, and I just gave up. I just thought, oh, I can't be bothered with the subtitles and the fact that nothing seemed to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes I like that sort of film. <laughs> but having in, sort of started that one, I thought, when I started this other film, I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to watch it. I, just, I can't not finish a film this week again. <laughs> yeah, because two, because two weeks ago, where you were talking, you were just kind of like, I'm ready for the cinemas to be back. I'm tired of this TV. This TV doesn't do it for me anymore. You were having yeah, real sort of like TV it... redraw, well, cinema redrawal symptoms or TV yes, fatigue. Yes, I was just finding that TV fatigue, I think, was the thing. Mm. Was where, um, on our, in my house, I regard the television sometimes as like moving wallpaper. It just seems to be on. Yeah. And I tend to think I'd rather, yeah, I just, yeah, so I, I have found it's a struggle really to give it you know, my, my focus because it is just, just moving wallpaper. So yeah, I did sit and watch all of Best of Enemies. And this is a film set in the early 1970s in the American South. And so that's what gives you an idea of like the tone. And the fact that even though there had been like laws passed about the removal of segregation and have integrated schools and integrated services, there are some like pockets of the South that were just completely resistant and this is one such area oh sam and rockwell and tara gp henson right yes that's ah, the one yes okay yeah yeah okay it's wrong a bell yeah carry on yes yeah, so basically uh, the, the two protagonists that he is the head of the local clan the ku klux klan and he sort of was like a local boy he's um, not wealthy but he runs a little garage he refuses to serve anyone of sort of black well, any ethnic background, he will only serve his like white clan mates and people who are, you know, he supports ideologically. And he is, yeah, he is completely con committed to the clan. And and the first scene you see with him in really interacting with his his lot lieutenants in his particular, I don't know, chapter. chapter yeah. Them, um, they are they sort of open fire on a house where a white woman lives but she has been her boyfriend is back oh. and so they regard her as being like a race traitor yeah. and so they basically they turn up and they they just sort of spray the house with gunfire uh, so sharon can I, can I just say something i just want to say i i find yeah. it 
I, I find it brilliant how you switched from the the phrase they would have used, <laughs> the phrase they would have used to say race traitor. I thought that that was that was masterful. Well done. <laughs> so, yes. So they you you you, you get your, the picture is painted of just what character this man is. Yeah. And then, but I'll I'll go on. And then his sort of you know opponent is this fearless uh, sort of defender of her community played by Taraji P. Henson who is um, uh, she's, play, she's, she's, she's aged up from her, her real age mm. so she plays like this middle-aged um, black woman mm-hmm. who has was a teenage mother single teenage mother who's raised her daughters she's had to fight for everything and so if she sees someone being put upon or being bullied you know, she her instinct is to come out and fight yeah. For that person, normally the pit members of her community, and her biggest target is is basically a slum landlord, as a man who owns great swathes of their community, and this sort of housing is inadequate. There's poor sanitation. There's there, they just they're not suitable. They don't meet any of the housing codes. But and then the sort of like ninety five percent of their occupants are the, the lower income black families in this area. Yeah. And she's been taking this landlord to court and she's like this part of this community group who are there trying to battle this this slum landlord saying that, you know, there are housing regulations and you are in breach of them. Yeah. And then but all the judges, all the committees, all the council members are all white, they're all in you know, in league with the clan. And so they're she's basically batting against this um this obstacle that just doesn't want to yield to even to any sign of justice. There's no justice if you're not part of their their community. Yeah. And so, what brings it all to a head is one day there's an electrical fire because of the the, the poor conditions in the local black school. The local high school is basically it has this catastrophic fire, and the laws of the land are that if you don't have a school. Um, that's suitable to be used as a school, then you have to take those pupils to the nearest other high school. Yeah. And they, even though it's only on paper that there's desegregated, in actuality, all the black students go to this poorly equipped slum high school and all the white students go to this better equipped, you know, better building. Yeah. And so the law says these students have to be bussed in to finish off their education. Oh, well, Cheryl's just Cheryl just knocked her phone over. She she's put us yeah. on mute. It's it's back. <laughs> it's back. I think I think you you were. Can bit, you hear me? Still? Yes, we can still hear you. You you were quite so vigorously gesticulating. Oh, this and, yeah, and waving the, my hands. And the phone took it. The phone took yeah. the brunt of it. All right. Yeah. So that's where the head, and then um, it all comes to a head where basically the local. The local councilmen say, "Oh no, there's nothing wrong with that school. We think you can carry on using, using the school. There's no reason why they need to bus these black students to these other high school." And this gets the attention of the local press, and suddenly, what from what was a local issue becomes suddenly a national a one. national yeah. issue. And part of the um, I don't remember. I don't know what the acronym is, um, but it's an organisation for like the about equality and equal rights they had set out send out these mediators where they try to mediate between these opposing groups yeah. to, to come 
some sort of accord and to, to, avoid, to avoid a court case in which they're suddenly slammed as being these white racists. Yeah. They, the, the councilmen and all the people of the community say, OK, they agree to undertake this mediation to see if they can settle some of these issues in the town. So do you know and what that's that, based on a true story? It's based on a true story, yes. All right. And so that's when Sam Rockwell's character and Taraji B. Henson's character, who are based on real people, basically are forced to get to know each other. They're forced to work with each other. And because of the way it's set up, they have eight members on this, this committee, mm -hmm. and there are four white members, and there are four black members. And in order for to get any motion passed, you have to have six votes. Oh, okay. So, so obviously this is the setup for it. And so far, you know, the, I mean, there have been a couple of times when I've complained about, so the, you know, your typical story about racism and everything like that, and you kind of know where yeah. it's going and all that. What do you think about this film? What do you think about the story that it tells? And what do you think about the performances and all? I thought the only interesting I found about it was that it took the time to actually make these people human. Okay. It was. It would have been very easy to say, He's clan, he's obviously evil, he's obviously you know, got no conscience, he's obviously just scum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it needs to say, well, she's obviously this battler, she's a fighter, she's obviously, you know, a Faultless, saint. a saint. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, it, it, with the best of intentions, it, was, it would have been very easy to fall into those traps yeah. of, you know, evil white man, noble sort of black woman. Yeah. And I thought because they took the time to say actually she's a complicated character some people think she's a bully because she's a battler she doesn't listen to people and he um was adopted into the clan because you know basically they provide him a family that he didn't have all right gotcha. <laughs> and so it humanizes both of them and by doing that it takes what could have been a simple you know to use a if you forgive the pun a black and white story you know that he's yeah. obviously good She's obviously, yeah. You know, he's obviously bad. She's obviously good. Yeah. They've actually taken the taken the time to actually make this a more interesting story, rather than just you go in knowing exactly what's going to happen. And even that's a true story. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how it's going to turn out. And for that, well, for that, I think they it made a better film. And how many stars would you give this better film? I would give it a high three. All right. Okay. Cool. I think because it is what it is. And I think because of the tone of the film at the, the offset, you know, when they talk about the best of enemies, you know that it's not going to end up in bloodshed. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a, an inkling of how it ends, but you don't, you just don't know how it's going to get there. And there are moments of genuine tension and moments of genuine um, pathos from both sides. Yeah. So I thought it was a, it was a, a better film for, of this type. It's awful that you sort of films about racism have become their own almost like yeah, mini genre. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say that yeah. sounds that sounds exactly along the same lines as a film I did a few weeks ago called Burden, with Foreign, Forrest Whitaker and you know the, the the young lad that's in the clan with that. I'm pretty sure we did it on the show. Yes, I'm sure of it. Burden, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Forrest, yeah, yeah, Forrest awesome. Whitaker plays a preacher and takes in. That's takes, it. Yeah, oh, he yeah. took this guy in from the clan. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has become. I think it's. It's not a uniquely American story, but this type of film, I think, is. I think, and I think in some ways it's a shame that we only ever see sort of stories about racism from an American point of view. I know we've recently had the small acts sort of films that yep. are trying to sort of take it out of 
take it into a different cultural context. But I think so much of what we understand, what we think we understand about racism is is actually um, influenced <laughs> by the American story of racism. Which how I don't was, think how was the acting? How was the acting, um, I thought it was very well done. I thought yeah. Sam Rockwell, I think he's a very good actor, isn't he? And I think yeah, if yeah. anyone can bring the humanity to someone of that type, mm. um, yeah. he can. And... Yeah, I think they both played their parts well. I don't think you didn't feel one overshadowed the other. Because when you're playing like this sort of fearless, mighty sort of woman of of, of integrity, yeah, <laughs> it's easy to be like chewing the furniture, really. And I think, again, to bring humanity to someone who is like a larger-than-life character is, takes skill. And I think Toronto Pienson showed that as well. So I think they both... It was fair to... It's like the two-hander, really. There's other characters, but these two really carried the, the film okay. and yeah i think they both did it well all right cool uh alarm has just gone over saying that it's time to switch to our next thing but before yeah. we do i like what you were saying about the fact that we only ever see stories about this sort of racism well largely from an american perspective especially mm. especially in the week that we had the report that says britain <laughs> is the is an exemplar of racial racial equality in the world over which i don't know how anybody said that with a straight face and i think it, it's kind of like that sort of problem i think in america it's still so much more in your face and in in britain it's it's more subtle and it's easier for people to so like sweep it under the carpet and say no we haven't got a problem here well, there's nothing to see here no, 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 there's, there's nothing from all, you know, all the stuff we did in the past. It has absolutely no bearing on what happens today. None whatsoever. So, yeah, I thought that was the case. So, but anyway, before we turn this into Tosin's rant about world issues, let's go on to Sean. <laughs> Sean. Okay. Well, Sean, so tell us, do you have any also rants before you tell us the thing um, that you want to bring to the table? Yeah, I have this. Uh, I, I, I saw two films that I'd like to talk about, and I, I rewatched few other films i think we had a little discussion earlier about concussion when i watched concussion yep um i um it, yeah we had a great discussion about that um <laughs> about will smith's so, nigerian so, accent yeah so yes. so mm. we're probably going to that now i mean i'll let you choose because uh two i watched the two i watched was six minutes to midnight and the other one was waiting for the barbarians so all right I don't know. Cool. Okay, uh, sure. We can do both of them. Uh, okay. I, I can set a timer. We can do both of them. We can give you five minutes each. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good because cool. I, I get I get through mine pretty quick, don't I? Okay, okay. so let's start, let's start off with waiting for the barbarians. Waiting for the barbarians. Um, Your time this is, starts now. Okay, <laughs> waiting waiting for the barbarians. Now this film is is it takes place on some frontier somewhere. You never never really know where it is, and this they're like a, it's, it's an imaginary colonial power mm -hmm. no it, it doesn't particularly say it's, it's it's like a it's obviously a european or an american but anyway whatever there's it's this and uh this one chap he's the um like the magistrate of this 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 village this native village yeah and uh, and then some soldiers come johnny depp who plays this really really horrible and and they do some torturing and they, they leave this girl and the magistrate takes the girl in and sort of heals, heals her and then decides he's going to take her back to her people. Mm -hmm. And he, take, he takes her back to his people. And then by the time he, he, he arrives back at the fort, Robert Patterson's there, all the soldiers there, they've taken over and they, they accuse him of deserting his post. And, 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 uh, it, it, what, it, it's a Johnny Depp, Robert Pattinson film. Robert Pattinson, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have yeah. never heard of this film. And Mark Rylance, he plays the Majesty. 
So, so Mark never... Rylance, Johnny Depp, Robert Pattinson. Certain, yeah. And I've uh, never heard of Bre this film. Greta Sachi, Ghana, somebody. So, yeah, there's a few. You've never heard of this film? Never no, heard it of must, have, must have slipped the 2019 film. Um, but Johnny Depp, he's got... I, I really like Johnny Depp. It reminds me of... I'm, I'm into the Mexican... Rev I'm going to go on for a bit of a tangent. <laughs> I really love the Mexican Revolution. And one of the, the uh, people that became president for a year was a bloke called Huerta. And he had those black... You know those black sort of sunglasses which are really thick which all cross between goggles and sunglasses yeah i love them and i so want a pair of those things anyway cut a long story short johnny depp plays this really really nasty torturous um and the magistrate is is really really gentle and they're, they're doing some talk it's quite it's quite uh bloody in parts because they got some natives and they've they've got them through their mouths they've got them with wire so oh, they got wow. wire oh. or goes all the way through their mouths oh good lord uh, it's not, as I say, that's that's probably about the worst bit. And he's been disgraced because he's left it. And he says, stop, stop, stop. And he gets beaten and chucked in, in this prison. Um, and and I won't tell you what happens at the end, but the story, it, I think the, the title, Waiting for the Barbarians, is saying, now, who are the barbarians? Are they these people? Are they, at, or are they this, this colonial power, this, this imaginary colonial power? So, yeah. But I mean that is that is a strong cast. That, that is, is a strong that cast. That is there. a strong and I've never this film just totally disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a really, really strong cast. And it was terrifically well acted. Even I mean Johnny Depp, sometimes he can be a bit over the top, can't yeah. he? But there's there's a couple of scenes, especially towards the end of the film, where um where he, yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's really, really good. And I don't think Robert Pat I mean, I like Robert Patterson. And he's been good in some some stuff, but I don't think he was quite as good in this. Not yeah, quite, didn't I, quite convince me. But, I think I think uh, this this film sounds like it might have been swallowed up by the Johnny Depp sort of media circus. Scandal. Yeah, like where it yeah. became scandalous and anything that he touched became toxic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a terrific story. It's there's, there's some it's it's beautifully shot. I should imagine this was one of those films that should have been released at the cinema, but obviously wasn't because of because of the COVID thing. But yeah, so I think what's so good about it, it's not, it's not, there's, you can't say what the power is. They've still got the soldiers, they've still got good uniforms, and it looks, it, it's got a really, really nice feel to this movie. Really, really nice feel. The performances are super, super convincing. Um, and I would recommend this as a watch to anyone. It might be, for some people, it might be a bit of a slow burn in places, but it is, it is a, a terrific movie. Really, really like this movie. Um, and as I say, it's 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 such a strong cast, you know. Mark Rylance, he's he's very very gentle in it, and he's a terrific magistrate and a very very fair magistrate. Whereas all the others are pretty much like we were talking about racism. Oh yeah, you know they're all barbarians, and mm. it's almost like I should imagine it's somewhere like Mongolia or Tibet or somewhere like that because it of was, the sea. Yeah, it was filmed in Morocco, but it, Morocco. It, yeah, but looking at some of the screenshots, it, it, I, I see where you mean that it is. It's hard to tell where exactly yeah. it's set by the look of people uh, yeah some people i can see i can see the mongolia i can see why you say mongolia yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so how many stars would you give that big four okay good really big, like this one I, I like this one a lot yeah it could be a bit of a slow burn for some people but yeah no good good movie okay. good movie all right cool and um uh, so with two oh one second to spare now you're going to your next, next lot of five minutes what's the next okay. film the next film is Six Minutes to Midnight. Now, this was uh, a film, 2021 film, I think, or 2020 film, 2020 film. And um, 
it's the story of it's just before the war and a lot of lot of high ranking Nazi officials have sent their daughters over. So from the you know the young oh, Eddie Izzard. That's the one with Eddie Izzard, yes, that's the one. And so Dame Judy. And Dame Judy, yeah. Dame yeah, Judy. I've seen the trailers for it. So they basically um there's there's a school set up and uh for for the German German girls to come over and learn English. Okay. And they've got the school and then something happens and then Eddie Izzard turns up as a as like a music teacher, but he's actually he actually works for the, the, the government because there's obviously stuff going under tow here. Judy Dench is just she just thinks it's a school and just everything is is you know, it's just a school. It's still and the girls, the girls, the lovely girls, the prime and Miss Jean Brody and all that. Yeah. Whereas whereas uh and then you've got a German teacher, a girl German teacher who it's very. Oh, well, I'm not going to give any spoilers. So, but uh, and then, so he f- finds out some stuff that's going on that they're going to going to fly the the girls away. Uh, so Eddie Izzard, and then the police turn up. Well, he's sort of the police are actually German agents. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So he's got a bit of a problem. So he's got this dilemma now, and he's got so, and there's there's um. And some other people that so there's like German agents that pop up here and there, and you're like some that know some some sidekicks which aren't aren't German agents, you know, some of the police that aren't German agents, but mm-hmm. obviously when they come to find him, they say, "Oh yeah, you've murdered someone." So he's he's sort of they're more or less framing him, and even the the person who's not the the Nazi spy believes, you know. So so, so is, is it like a it's a pre World War Two spy flick? Yeah, it's got a spy flick, and you know, there's obviously a bit of melodrama and a bit of, um, yeah, it's it's a strange movie. It's just it's, it's a pretty strange movie. Um, from a personal point of view, I mean, it's got a strong cast, and Ezzy Eddard is is terrific. I really, really think he's great. Yep. Dame Judy, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. She she didn't quite convince me like she normally does. So sorry, sorry, Dame Judy, but you, this was not one of your better roles, I'm afraid. And the sum of it was, you know, it was my huffy puffy, cross me legs, <laughs> huffy blowy. And come on, no, this and this, there's no way, no, that's not, no way, no, that that can't happen, that cannot happen. That is absolutely what a load of nonsense, you know. So, but it's, I mean, it's got some gripping moments, and there's a few bits of tension, and there's some interesting twists, and there's a couple of people that, and are not what you think they are, which I quite liked. You know, you can sort of make your mind up who's who but yeah it was i mean it was watchable <sighs> well, i don't know what else i can say about it really um <laughs> all right so how many stars would you give it i'll probably give this one a three three a star three, three yeah star. nothing no, yeah, no, no, get... nothing majorly exciting and yeah a bit get... ha- i feel like dame judy has gotten to that stage of her career where <sighs> it sounds horrible to say but like she doesn't really try she just shows up and says she just shows up and says the line because I think she's she's getting towards the end. I mean, I was watching a YouTube video and there were there was a thing that says it was like ten actors that ruin any film that they're in just by being <laughs> in it, and they had Robert De Niro on this list. They had Robert De Niro as in like they were like nowadays if Robert De Niro is in a film, that's a guarantee it's a bad film. And I was like, "Oh, come on! That is harsh. That's but, harsh. That's uh, very harsh." I, I think I think that is very very harsh. But I but I think there's a bit of it that I think actors get to a certain time of their careers where 
it takes a lot of effort and it's just kind of like, hey, okay, look, I'm just going to get paid. What do you want me to do? Stand there. And I think, for instance, look at the, the car adverts that Robert De Niro is in in the UK. Yeah. The, oh, good Lord. Yeah. Ugh. That's it. <laughs> then I was, when he started I was... doing comedies, that, I think, was the uh, the beginning of the end of his yeah. greatest living actor, sort of. I th- yeah, I think... Uh, I, I still, like, analyse this. Yeah, 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 analyse this good. And he's still... still terrific in um anyway i, I won't do that because that might be one of my my quizzy things when i bring up a rob de niro thing <laughs> anyway but um i was listening to a, to a thing recently about michael kane um an old thing on the film program and michael kane said that as his career as he was getting sort of middle aged and that he just took he said and, and he admitted it he said i took anything because oh, i yeah, for the money my, yeah i just wanted the money and he said i made a load of dross really i made, made some awful <laughs> films you know, and he was he was quite upfront about. It. He said, "I just, but I just thought it was good to make the money." You know, and he said, "Now I've sort of got a little bit of a, a second career with." Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. yeah. So that's. I think you're exactly right, Toast. I think you nailed it. There is that they just get to a stage where I think, oh, that's a bit more money in the bank. That's a, and it always remembers there was a Barclays Bank advert with um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, and he goes, big. and they asked me how much they pay, and he went, "Big, yeah." yeah. And I think <laughs> I think that's it. I think if they're going to get the money. Well, well, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, uh, okay, Judy Dench, she has nothing, nothing to prove to anybody anymore. She has mm. nothing to prove to anybody. Although, if you if you want to see what some of the best things I've seen her do recently, it's in the TV show Staged. She has she has a cameo in Staged that is genius. That is absolutely genius in that. And um, and I and. Uh, there's sometimes I look at her and she is okay. So I've been on film sets and stuff, and people stories go around film sets, and they talk about Judy Dench, and people talk about how frail she is in real life. That when you see that she's and she's actually said it quite herself that her eyesight's going, so it's actually quite. So she pretty much just sort of says, "Where am I supposed to look? Point me in that direction," and then she acts. But she can't. She actually has someone around to help her around sets, like to hold her hand and lead her from place to oh, place. Oh wow! So yeah, so. I look at her and I, I feel in it might sound terrible, but she's on her way out, and and I just think, yeah, go get it, Judy. Don't, yeah, don't don't tire yourself out doing all that research. Just just go there, say the lines, and get your money. And I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all for it. Okay. I don't think it did her any favors when she won the Oscar. You were saying about you don't think it did it did her any favors when she won the Oscar. No, because she obviously she didn't get it for Mrs. Brown when everyone thought she should have done, and then she get it. Was it Shakespeare in Love? She got it for, or she got it for Shakespeare in Love. She got yeah, because she, she was only best... in it for like ten minutes, wasn't she? Yeah, she, she, got, she got best supporting actress for Shakespeare in Love. She was on screen for eight minutes. Yeah, so I think it didn't really do her any favors then because it's almost like a well, you know what? They don't reward, <laughs> or you don't. Everyone was like, you know, why did you not? You know, why did they not recognize her, Mrs. Brown, which was. Like a masterclass yeah. in in acting, and yet they were like going, "Oh well, we better give Judy something." So I don't really think the best supporting actress at Oscar. I don't think is. I think it's a bit of a poisoned chalice because often people get that, and I don't think they go on to do great things afterwards. Well, maybe Renee Zellweger, possibly, but yeah, she got it for yeah, but, but, but Renee Zellweger, she she did have that dip, and she's only just on her way back to get the when she got the Oscar for Judy. I think that's because she's suddenly doing sort of like older character actors acts again. But in that, but people like Marisha Tomei, I don't think she ever recovered from getting her. Getting her. Oh, no, I, okay, no, no, okay, Marisa Tomei, because oh, there were some horrible, horrible things said about Marisa Tomei when she won her Oscar. 
like for a long time the urban myth was that what what actually happened is that when the people opened up the envelope for Marisa Tomei, they said the wrong name. Like people said that, yeah. So there was there was. Is that what they said, or is that what is what happened? That there, there is no evidence that that's what happened. Okay, then this is what it said. There's there's there's, there's oh, no evidence, that, but there is a. It's kind of like how you know you have a whole section of the internet that that you know bullies people to get the Snyder Cut released. There's a whole section of the internet yeah. that continues saying that Marisa Tomei did not actually win that Oscar, but that the people on the stage said the wrong name, and that wasn't the name that was on the card. And so so after she got it for my cousin Vinny, there's been like a whole bunch of um, horrible stuff said about her. And, it, and it's only just recently that she's beginning to have, like getting into the MCU. And I think The Wrestler was a big one for her, coming being in The Wrestler. And yeah. I think there was a film. I think it was called "Before the Devil Knows You're Dead." Um, that I, I think she, she, I think she was in that one as well. And it started going. Oh, you know what? This woman is actually uh, an amazing, amazing character actress. Yeah? Actually act. Yeah. But, but it's a good point you make. I'm racking my head and trying to think of great Judy Dench performances after she won the Oscar. And. Ooh. Ooh, that is a good. I, I need to go have. I need to go have a look and see. I think she was okay in Victoria and Abdul, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as Mrs. Brown. No, it wasn't as engaging a story. It wasn't as yeah. It, I don't think it required as much of her. For for so so that's a good best, point. The has, best has had a a great Judy Dench performance post post Shakespeare in Love. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh oh no, I got one. It... I got one. Philomena or Philomena. Philomena. I've I've not seen that. Yeah, Philomena, I got it. Cool. And and I haven't seen what was the one you said before, Philomena? I've not seen um what did you say? What's the other Judy Dench one you said that, that... Tori and Abdul. No. And, no, 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 no. Just before Philomena. You said another one. I don't remember. Oh right, okay. <laughs> I forget what it was. It was it must have been quite quite anyway anyway yeah but uh, you said that one but i haven't seen that either whatever it was yeah yeah but yeah I, I don't remember i don't remember yeah. what i said and uh anyway okay cool so we come right. to our final thing a final thing of the of this episode which is going to be the thing i'm bringing to the table and the the program i'm bringing to the table is solar opposites and it is a so Disney Plus has recently decided that Disney Plus was too much of a kiddie place, apart from your Marvel shows and your Star Wars, like Mandalorian and all that. And they have some National Geographic stuff, but it was very kiddie focused, very family focused. And um, Disney owned a streaming service in the, U in the US called Hulu. And Hulu are the people who make TV shows like um, The Handmaid's Tale and all that. That's where they're the ones who actually make that. But, they, but a lot of the Hulu shows, either don't show up outside of America or show up on other platforms like um, like Handmaid is Tale shows up on Channel 4 in the UK. So they recently did this thing called Star, which is an addition to Disney Plus, which is essentially Hulu outside of the States. And it means that they can now have all the grown up Fox stuff that they've had, um, that they haven't um, had uh, on Disney Plus on Disney Plus. So like the Die Hard movies are now on Star, that, that sort of thing. And there's this TV show called Solar Opposites. Um, Solar Opposites, the basic premise of it, it's an animated TV show made by the guy who did Rick and Morty. And uh, there's two guys, one of them who did Rick and Morty, one of them who did Star Trek Lower Decks, which I reviewed a couple of weeks back. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gives you the idea of this kind of show this is. And the idea is that you have these two aliens from a planet, Schlorp, 
who the uh, Mitra hits the planet. It was in Utopia. They get into a spaceship when they they put into a spaceship with their replicates, and they're sent off to go find an uninhabited planet, which they can bring the rest of the people to. Unfortunately, they ended up on Earth, and uh, out of the four of them who've crash landed, two of them hate Earth, and one of, uh, two of them love Earth. And it becomes this whole thing about how they sort of like you know go in between each other, and it's been an. I've had this problem before when I've come up with a comedy and I've come to this show with a comedy and I actually think comedy TV shows are really, really hard to review. They are stupidly difficult to review yeah, yeah, yeah. because you're trying to sell people how good it is without telling a bad version of some of the best jokes that they have in the show. And, <laughs> and so, but, but this being a sort of sci-fi show, it's a kind of thing where it, it comes in and it uses the fact that it's sci-fi to make fun of different aspects of mostly American culture and especially American pop culture. So they, they have TV show, they have episodes of them that are very obviously mimicking American sitcoms. There's one episode where they decide that um, one of the characters decides that what he's missing is a wife who can like, you know, harangue him and talk to him and talk him down and make him feel smaller than he actually is. So he watches all the American sitcoms and then he makes this robot, which is an amalgam of all the wives on American TV, on American TV sitcoms, pointing out the fact that American TV sitcoms usually have this, what they call fat guy, hot wife thing that goes on where it's usually and the woman doesn't really have much to do apart from harangue the man and it's kind of and so so they do things like that and i think it's actually i think it's quite clever and they also have a, a they have a side story and this and this side story sean i think you would like the side story that they have a solar opposites because it is totally totally inspired by it based off it's ripping off escape from new york and john oh, carpenter right. and all that <laughs> so what happens is that the 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 younger replicant is a guy called yumulak yumulak he has a shrink ray and he's walking around this place and, and also by the way in this thing nobody bats an island that they're aliens they're like oh it's aliens it's aliens are you a big deal and anybody who annoys him he fires them with the shrink ray and then puts them into this sort of ant farm in the wall of his room and what happens is that you start seeing this whole society starts developing in the wall in his room of all the people who he's who have who pissed him off for like one of them was like oh this person gave me ice water when i asked for like you know um sparkling <laughs> something like that that's it you're shrunk you're in the wall and then as this as the show goes on like the the main episode, the main thing is episodic. So it's like, oh, what are we gonna do this week? What are we gonna do this week? What crazy things gonna happen this week? What crazy things gonna happen this week? But in the wall, there's actually like a serial story going on. So whenever they cuts to the wall, it's almost like a serious drama of, oh my God, what I'm gonna do. They they even call the guy who's in charge of the society that's developing within the wall, the Duke, Sean. The Duke, yeah, yeah. A number one. <laughs> yeah. They even call it the Duke. They call it the Duke. Oh. And it's also like almost dystopian and all that kind of. And I think there's a lot of inventiveness in the bit where they go into the wall because they have things like, oh, one a guy, he gets a hold of a, of a mouse and then he sort of like, the mouse becomes his friend and then he starts selling mouse milk to everybody all around the whole place. Like he domesticates this mouse who he's now like, you know, he's small enough to write the mouse's... The mouse is the size of an elephant compared to him. And it's, and it's, there's all, I think the storytelling, especially within the wall section is really, really cool. I think that the, the comedy is quite funny. It's quite quick fire. And it's one of those things, as I say, I can tell you it's good, but you have to go see it. But I'll say Sean, for the, if it's only for the escape to, to New York references, I think you need to watch the wall sections. Oh, okay. Okay. So I would, I would give Solar Opposites a four out of five. Mm -hmm.
that season one, season two is coming soon because we now have Hulu, although it's not called Hulu in the in the <laughs> in the United Kingdom. Right. I believe that that is it. I believe that that is it. Does anybody know? Have we gotten a date for when cinemas are likely to open again? It's the seventeenth of May, I think, isn't it? Yeah. That's my birthday. So Seven. I was. The seventeenth of birth. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. They're going to open cinemas on my birthday. So oh. I'm definitely. I should definitely go. I was going to do an outdoor one, but if they're going to open, I don't care what's on. I'm going to go. <laughs> are you going to go to ten o'clock? Are you going to come? Are you going to come with me, Sharon? Yes, yes, I'll come. My with birthday. You. So that'll be my birthday treat. I shall say. Right, I'm going to watch whatever's on. Godzilla yes, versus. So if they announce that the Cineworld on the Isle of Wight is definitely reopening, they announce that locally as soon as they um, said, this is the timetable, um, Sydney World on the Isle of Wight said, yeah, we will be, we'll be getting our staff back in, we'll be freshening stuff up, and then we'll be reopening in May. Because <laughs> you get the feeling that some companies are thinking, you know what, this might be the good time to just offload those unproductive shops yes. <laughs> or those unprofitable shops. Yes. And you get yeah. the feeling that there's some places, well, in Newport, we've already seen it, in the town where, where it's closest to where I live and not too far from Shawnee, is that shops that were, there was no suggestion that they weren't coming back before the pandemic have, have just like gone. Yeah. They've, they've cleaned them out. There's just nothing there. But there's been no announcement to say, we are closing this branch of this national chain. They've just packed up sticks and gone. That's it. So there's one stretch of shops where there isn't a single shop in there oh, wow. <laughs> these four empty shops in a, row. Yeah, in a row this whole unit is just gone and two of them there was no suggestion they weren't coming back but they they obviously aren't oh wow mm. okay. well uh, hopefully that doesn't happen with cine world hopefully yes. hopefully doesn't but um it oh, oh i had something i was gonna say it was gonna be good as well oh <laughs> tell us then <laughs> no no that's the thing it's, it's just gone off my head it has to do with cinema it has to do with cine world it had to do with Watching you, films, Godzilla you, versus what? Your are you viewer you are or are you? Oh you yes, Odeon? it's a view. It's a view. Oh, that was it. That was it. I used to be Odeon, but I've moved house, and now the Odeon is half an hour drive from me. The Cine World is in Birmingham, and I'm not going there. So it's <laughs> so I, I'm a view. But the way I figured it out, the way I figured out that I can get close to what I was getting, it it won't be unlimited. But I mean, now obviously with a with a with a child. An unlimited thing that my days of unlimited might be over. So I figured I could do a film a week. And if I do it on a Tuesday night, I can do it for five pounds. And if I do that each week, it comes to run about the same as what I was paying for my cinema with a limited yeah, card. Yeah. So I, I can I can just about do that. But that was it. I was gonna say, um, fair play to the Odeon, the Odeon in Naneaton, where I used to live. I was round there the other day, and um the Odeon in Naneaton has become a COVID vaccination site. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I wanted to say, fair, yeah, fair play to Odeon. I'm pretty sure it was vaccination and not testing, but it was, but they, because I was in the car park, it was beside a KFC. I was in the car park and I could see something saying, oh, COVID, uh, COVID pharmacy to you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what are they talking about? And I noticed that the side door of the Odeon was open and that's where they were ushering people in to actually go, to go get their jabs. And I was like, well done. Well done, Odeon. You've done well. That, that's that's a good use of your space so i just thought i seeing as we're talking about cinemas and all that i thought i should mention that and say well done Odeon. hopefully this leads to more business for you and more films let's see those films let's see that, that backlog yeah there's been yeah, such backlog, a backlog yeah. such a backlog 
It's going to be such a backlog. <laughs> but anyway, until next week, when we will be that much closer, one week closer to cinemas, to Sean's birthday, and to cinemas. Oh, Sean is telling you all his birthday now, so do send him something. <laughs> <laughs> and, to, and to cinemas being open again, and when we can actually get back to the nitty gritty of Netflix versus cinema. What is cinema going to look like in a post-COVID, post-lockdown world? That is such a fascinating question. What's it going to look like? I don't know. <laughs> uh, until that time, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. We will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>